Yeah, I don't know, man. You ever just feel like life is just catapulting towards like, some greater purpose? The only DJ crazy enough to tattoo Jackie Brown on his ass. This is Michael Mann, and I ride with extended clip. That's one of those movies you have to say that about. Uh, Society from 1989, or as I call it, My Last Thursday Night. Like you're about to start a stand-up bit about, folks, you ever heard of Society 89, Brian Yuzna? Oh, man. I thought it was a documentary. No, but really. Uh. <laughs> Welcome to Extended Clip. I am one of your hosts, Eddie Averill. I'm Malcolm Baum. I'm JT White. And yes, that's right. We're talking about a movie whose satire is so biting, whose whose horrific imagery is so true to life that it might as well be a freaking documentary. Yeah, that's right. We're talking about Mike Judge's idiocracy. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I saw that was like on that Rolling Stone, like biggest movie goof ups ever was like not giving idiocracy a wide release. Which big, that big feels like, so funny. Feels like a very yeah. minor quibble for like also putting you know Roman Polanski rapes a child. Yeah, and, you know. Uh, <laughs> I guess it's it's what's considered a, a goof up. I, yeah, I guess. it's, 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 kinda, yeah, it's, it's a, kind of a, a hard question. Yeah, for them to answer as a publication. I feel like number eight on the list was like MGM gets Judy Garland hooked on pills. <laughs> so there was like serious stuff on that. Yeah, there oh, was yeah, serious yeah, yeah. stuff. Yeah. Wow. Okay. It's a goof up. Real, goof up real is, big goof ups. Yeah. I feel like a goof up is when like uh, you leave a banana peel out and someone slips on it. Like uh, not like you know premeditated uh, acts of just, abuse. Just like an actor getting canceled and being like, "I'm sorry, I made a goof up." Like, <laughs> total sorry, goof guys, up on I my goofed. Part. Total goof. I'll keep it serious. Keep it straight up from now on. Hey guys, Kevin Spacey here. I know you're expecting me to do the House of Cards voice, but look, I goofed. All right, I just I messed up. Can can a guy goof off once in a while? We've all goofed, so you know, raise look, your hand if you haven't goofed. I've I'll goofed. be the first to say it. I pulled a boner. I pulled a big old boner this time. That's a for the. I feel like uh, every episode has like some deep cut Bill Simmons reference. Now you know. <laughs> well, pulling a boner yeah, is just a boner, classic yeah, old timey well, saying. Well, maybe maybe that's me. Maybe that's me because I think it's an old timey saying. But I think there's a clip where Bill Simmons says it live on air. Everyone's like, "What? Pull a boner?" And oh like, yeah, 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 yeah. And like, and then he was like, "Well, I just wanted to say it," and it just made me think. It's like I don't think. I think I knew that people use the word like that, but I never heard it out loud. And I think, I yeah. think a lot of people are in that same boat. Yeah, I think uh, boners are pretty funny. There's a reason why Bill Simmons had to say it on that NBA countdown <laughs> panel show. Where it's like you got five people on there for a three-minute segment. It's like each person gets like 20 seconds to talk, and he fits the word boner in there. Pretty class. <laughs> pretty class stuff there. Um, we are talking about Society by Brian Yunza, Yuzna uh, from 1989. So Brian Yuzna, he was a producer of schlocky horror movies. He produced a lot of Stuart Gordon stuff. Produced like, uh, I believe he produced Castle Freak, but he produced Dolls and uh, Dagon or whatever that one's called. The kind of late 80s Stuart Gordon and early 80s. I believe he also produced uh, Reanimator. 
And so what got him to direct this was actually, I mean, this is how much of an exploitation movie this is. And this is why I'm so glad to bring it, because we haven't talked about a real exploitation movie in a while. But how much of an exploitation movie this is, is that it's made because he got a two-picture deal with one of them being a reanimator sequel, because he was a producer on their original reanimators. He was like, yeah, I'll give you some of that reanimator slop. We'll see if Stuart Gordon's involved or not, but you gotta make my picture about freaking aliens in the upper class of Beverly Hills um, doing incestuous rape and cannibalism. And uh, yeah, so that's what society's about. The promise of the premise is there, but it holds off till the third act, so we will hold off to the third act to talk about the gruesomeness, the disgusting, the 10 out of 10 body horror. Uh, society's a story of a, 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 a guy named Bill who goes to high school at Beverly Hills Academy, and uh, things are a little weird for him. He even says in the beginning that uh, you know if you scratch the surface... There's something really gross beneath, which is, of course, you know, just, uh, it's like, oh, Blue Velvet came out four years ago. Cool. <laughs> I, I feel like something's going to happen. And if I scratch the surface, there'll be something terrible underneath. It is perfectly normal to experience a certain irrational fear. It's no more than a stage. And it will pass, I assure you. And uh, But this one is just so much more disgusting because it translates directly to surreal horror. He says that line and then he takes a bite of an apple and then a bunch of worms are coming at the apple. And from the jump, it is like a gross movie that keeps you on edge. It's just not until an hour in that it goes full debauchery mode. But uh, yeah, I think this is like a really, really strong movie. Malcolm, you'd seen this one before. I think you even Malcolm in the middled it once. Um, well, yeah, well, what's your society uh, experience? No, yeah, this is my second time, uh, re- you know, second time watching it. I was going to say second time rewatching it, but that would be it would be my third time, which is not true. But uh, society, yeah, no, it's it's a it's it's kind of a simple movie, I guess, in a sense. But it's it's something that it really just uh, you know makes a promise to you, and it delivers it and. Uh, you know, knowing what, you know, what would happen towards the end, uh, you know, doesn't lessen the movie at all. I think, you know, this movie, it, you know, like in that first scene with the therapist and the, the apple and he's like, you know, everything around me, you know, if I just scratch the surface, it seems like there's some dark stuff underneath. And I think it just plays with that premise, you know, before we get to the, the murderous orgy where just creates a good sense of like unease you know what i mean even like in bill's like kind of you know seemingly nice lifestyle you know this is a rich kid you know live in beverly hills you know pretty popular seeming guy good looking guys got a girlfriend this is not like the down and out loser notice something wrong with society this is someone who's entrenched in it and kind of steps back and realizes oh there's you know i think there's some sinister stuff at play and I don't know the way the movie builds that up in the first like first act by uh you know with the therapy scene and kind of like uh I don't know the first time we see the sister is like it's kind of you know it does the classic like 80s uh you know schlock horror thing you know we're seeing her getting dressed and then there's just a random uh well not random but to us uh, just a random guy 
watching her and the you know the brother uh has to bust that guy and you know uh what's his, what's his blanchard this yeah. is one of those movies where there's like a name everyone says Blanchard to this one Blanchard yeah. more people say his name than any other name put together totally like Blanchard gets a lot of name drops in this and yeah it just uh, I don't know just it, it, it has that great balance of like showing you know this rich you know cool lifestyle but it, it's always from the jump you're, you're with Bill's perspective there's something wrong here yeah, I think right away it's announcing itself as an exploitation film about sex and conspiracy, like class conspiracy and, you know, conspiracy just really just uh, exaggerating reality uh, with conspiracy. Uh, but also with sex, you know, right away you have that line uh, before Blanchard gets caught peeping uh, where I think it's Bill who says, you're so perfect, you'll end up assassinating the president, which is like, you know, <laughs> the only people who are going to understand that line. It's like you have to understand the frame of reference that that you know, someone that like Oswald was the perfect patsy or whatever. Yeah. Uh, so that, that line just like cues into conspiracy brain so hard. And then you cut to his sister uh, getting undressed, like from that line. And it's like, oh, we are in the hands of someone who knows what he needs to feed the slop people uh, and is going to do it in a highly artistic way. JT, had you seen this before? Uh, yes, I have uh, seen this once before. It was a horrible setting, but I <laughs> oh, no. uh, I uh, loved the movie. I uh, I mean maybe not love, but it's a, it's a great film. Uh, I love all the Yuzna uh, Stort Gordon stuff. I think it's uh, I don't know all. It's just is so playful and incisive and fun, and you you know what you're getting, and they're delivering every time. Uh, but. I won't name names, even though this is the Patreon. But there's this uh, Philly, like, little indie venue I uh, went to, like, a few months ago. Not even really, like, a venue, like, proper. But it was a place where I knew, like, it was going to be a movie screened on a projector in what is the equivalent of someone's living room. And I was like, okay, fine, whatever. Like, it's a donation-based thing. You know, like, I think this podcast proves that a living room is just as good an art space as any. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, so it's it's such a shame when the living room fails to be the uh, ideal art viewing uh, mode. Um but yeah, no, so I was like, okay, whatever, it'll be, I, I wanted to watch the movie with some friends, it'll be fine to see it in a public environment. Again, that's the type of movie where it's just like, has the potential to do pretty well. Totally. Uh, but even, like, I don't know, it was just people talking through the whole fucking uh. thing with, like, riff track style, like, I, I, like bullshit, or like, haha, what? Like, during, like, <laughs> so, like some of this stuff in the beginning and i mean i really think that like to me part of that problem gets to like a larger i mean it's a again very niche insular like cinephile infighting yeah but i feel like there's a type of beyond fest uh triple xl suspiria t-shirt type of guy <laughs> who is My like 
who no they're not no, your people yeah. you're you, no never don't you're not <laughs> you're not like I'm them. gonna skin I live in Malcolm in, uh, into a Timothy Chalamet type twink uh, 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 so you can wear all the horror shirts he wants and doesn't have to worry about them being XXL horror shirts and being that guy um but like I'm embracing there, it no I'm sorry keep going there's a type of thing uh with the way people enjoy horror movies and exploitation films that are in this uh, general range sometimes that's like really annoying because it's like derisively like sneering at the work where it's like oh when uh, I don't know if Yuzna like penned the script himself but whenever the line about like Oh, do you want like sugar, milk? I could pee in your tea. Like so when something like that yeah. is delivered, like the laughter is like, oh, I can't believe the screenwriters were so stupid. Like yeah. Yeah. it's like laughing at like, oh, isn't this it, this weird, crazy movie when it's just like, I feel like if you have any brain cells at all, you should be able to step away and realize that like th- there's a great, great appreciation there for genre filmmaking that exists within like Yuzna's mode and that like if anything is silly and goofy obviously like there's a level of intention like intention there and uh I I don't know it's just a bad environment to watch that type of film uh it can go either way uh sometimes but with that type of crowd uh mm-hmm. a lot of the time they'll be laughing at the movie which is always gets yeah. me see hot in my seat. See, when I but, see a horror movie, I got to see it from the opera balcony, get my monocle out, <laughs> push my, up my glasses. My monocle is like a zoom lens for one eye. <laughs> no, I get what you mean, JT, and it's a it's a totally valid complaint, but I also think that the opposite is true where it's like I'll be at home watching a movie like this one or watching Dolls by Stuart Gordon or something and I'll laugh throughout half of it. And it's just like Someone could walk in and it's like they could judge me for either thinking I'm better than the movie, which I don't, having a sick and demented sense of humor and laughing whenever I see blood and gore on the screen, which sometimes is true. Uh, But like, I just feel like, yeah, when you're in a public environment, it does feel like people can be almost ganging up on the movie Uh, when it's like, clearly there are also people there who are just laughing because laughing is something that happens when you're happy. And sometimes you're just happy because a movie is awesome in a way that you didn't expect, and you laugh. Like La- laughter is not even my objection. And again, I don't like a. I am. I'm just trying to clarify for the people getting mad at yeah, you. Yeah, exactly. That I'm some bourgeois pig. <laughs> that I am. I only. I roll up to the hoidiest, toidiest metrograph theater I can find. Well, uh, yeah. But well, that's been the subject I'm, of some de- a debate. A certain uh, laugher at the Metrograph, right? <laughs> um, the giggler from Death Wish Three is at the Metrograph. <laughs> the but giggler. like, uh, it's laughing is fine. I do not care. But it's like it's hearing like comments along with yeah. it, where it's just like that's that's the type of stuff that's just like okay, you're actively just like picking this apart and like that's I, there's no place for that. Yeah, the I comments just, the comments are agreed. Like the. That's like laughing. Laughing's one thing. Comments is a whole another ballpark. And here's another aspect that I was keyed in on. It's like these micro cinemas. Is anyone else a little bit afraid of micro cinemas? I at least I, I I feel like like I hear of like 
you know, like, uh, and I don't want to discourage it because it's all good, but just like me personally, some screening and it's like in the back room of like a video store or mm-hmm. uh, it's in like someone's living room. I'm, I'm, I'm like, that's, that's a little bit too much for me. No, like, it's I feel, sus. It's, it's, it feels, it feels it's absolutely uh, pause material. It's, well, I mean, yeah, it's intense. Like I, I, and I'm, I'm critiquing myself. I'm like, that's a, that's a little bit scary to me. I don't know. I'm this Halloween. I'm scared of micro cinemas. I, I, have I mean, I, know, I have another yeah. horrifying, scary detail about this yeah. uh, particular micro cinema is rather than put the money they've made into like trying to invest in a, a better venue space, renting like an actual theater, they're mm-hmm. collabing with a brewery for an IPA. Oh, that's, it's okay. scary stuff. <laughs> And that's horrifying. <laughs> that is the scariest story I've heard all month. That's a gruesome twosome right there. That's a yeah. That's the, that is that is scary. Micro well, cinemas could... and micro brewing. You got to be aware. <laughs> it is. So the... I have two. Oh, go ahead, Malcolm. No, I, I really just I'm like, what a micro congruence going on right there. The two micros. <laughs> the micro congruence. Yeah. Uh, the micro PA. Yeah. Uh, oh, my IPA is so tiny. Small. Uh, my IPA is a small bean. Um, anyway, I have a couple micro cinema points to make here. One is that I found something that I thought was a micro cinema and is actually a gay cruising spot in Philadelphia. Uh, <laughs> So, Malcolm, so you went and yes. checked it out. You went and checked it out. And how was it? I, Malcolm, you do have reason to beware. <laughs> no, obviously it's like that was a that was a pure confluence kind of thing. So I was at this smoke shop uh, called the Black Market Smoke Shop. And by that, people in the local know can uh, find this other place. And so I see a place next to it that says something cinema. And it's like a very small venue, but there's cinema written above the door. And I'm like, whoa, this is like a tiny little cinema. Mm. And I just like, why is it so like weird and crusty on the outside? What are the hours? What are they playing? What's and, in these uh, trash cans? I'm, I'm like, why are all these <laughs> tissues? In the, I'm, I'm getting a closer look and sniffing just to see what the, these tissues are. Yeah, so I looked it up on Google, and it doesn't even have, like, a Google Maps, like, entry, but the address does, and, like, the comments are just, like, there's going to be a lot of a lot of older guys who are going to help you out watching a movie. That's all I know about that place, and I did not go in. I was scared. <laughs> I, was, I, I would have been scared if it was girls, too. Like, yeah. it's just, that's some that's scary, scary stuff. I, I, see, I, my mind wasn't, like, just even, like, sitting... With like eight strangers I don't know in a living room, like that's scary enough. I didn't even think of uh, a pornographic. They're jacking you off. The yeah, actually, that might be a little off. bit better. But uh. <laughs> going going peewee at the fucking red cat in L.A. <laughs> Can I bring a fucking blanket spe- into the spectacle <laughs> cinema NYC peewee arrested? <laughs> we need more. All right, we're, we're going too long. But just thinking of a funny film festival prank. Is just bring a blanket to every screening. <laughs> it's like, can I bring my blanket? I get really cold. It's actually a medical condition. So. Yeah, no, it's it's going back <laughs> to the laugh. Loud, yeah. It's like, <laughs> just go so way too viciously hard. pumping. <laughs> going back to the giggler, like that's how we got here. Like that's that's a certain person apparently was like 
roaming all over uh, New York Film Festival's critic screenings, not I've even heard the public it described one. Described as like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I've heard multiple people say that this person introduced themselves uh, to friends of mine at festivals, saying, "I'm known for my laugh," which is insane to say. Uh, a piercing laugh that then was uh, de- defended on the grounds of disability. Let's just say that, and. Pulling out the Joker card. Yeah. No, it's literally, you're pulling out the Joker card. I'm sorry. I require a trench coat with an umbrella under it, (laughs) with a pump up operated umbrella under it at every movie screening I go to. Uh, I'm sorry. I have to jack off for a medical condition. I get really horny. (laughs) I get really horny and I have to jack off during the movies. I'm sorry. There's just something about Noah Baumbach's films. <laughs> we people people are like, we want like movies don't have sex anymore. I'm like, bring the sex back into the cinemas, like, the like to the, to the theaters. I I should be able to jack off at any PG-13 movie or above. <laughs> Hold on. Hold on. <laughs> Clarification has to be made there that this is an adults only screening of a PG thirteen movie. Yeah, sure, sure, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> you know what's funny about that is that the third act of society, Brian Yuzna said he was inspired by Dolly's painting The Great Masturbator. Uh, which I don't know if you guys have seen, but it's a pretty epic dolly. It, it's not as funny as you would imagine. But <laughs> is it, is there is the painting literal? Is a guy jacking off? No, there? no, it's it's more metaphorical. But you can uh, you can see the A to B like for sure. Yeah, you yeah. sounded very uh, displeased with that. Uh, uh, okay, I won't, yeah, I won't check it out. I won't check it out. <laughs> uh, that was just a visceral reaction, I guess. I don't know. I, don't know yeah, I, I forgot what the other micro cinema thing I was going to say was, but I think that uh, that one in Philly, I think it was called The Apollo, too, which is hilarious because that's the comedy club. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I think it was like The Apollo Cinema or something like that, but it's in like Center City, Philly. Uh, oh, weird. The, the weirdos of Extended Clip can find it. Right off Broad Street. Uh, anyway, society. Let's get back to it. Let's get back to the real exploits, the real stuff. Uh, so we're seeing Bill, you know, get weirded out by his family. Uh, and we totally see why. Even if you don't know what the movie is, it's like played so over the top. And I feel like the satire is very likened to like, you know, Larry Cohen's movies or like Joe Dante or something like that, where. You know, the the parents are getting the daughter ready and they're talking about this coming out party, which is like the the thought of that is so old timey and gross that it's like, oh, your daughter's 18. Time to have a coming out party for her as a real woman. And uh, you better dress nice, little girl, because there's going to be an important so, judge there. I mean, you're getting... You're getting real like bonjour Tristice vibes from yeah. the family right away. There's too much like, uh, I don't know, daddy-daughter kissing in this movie. <laughs> no, I was going to ask, um, I don't know much about these coming out parties. Like, I don't like, because I know they existed in real life, right? So it's yeah. like, is the concept always like that they turned 18? That's them coming out? Like It's is, basically, yeah, The, the when like the parents feel it's appropriate to, or even younger, yeah. 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 When the far- parents feel appropriate for them to find a mate, you know? Yeah. Damn. Okay, so it's, it's, it's pretty literal. It's, it's a party literal. that's like, date my daughter. Date yeah. My like, daughter. she's 16, date my, date my daughter. 
take my daughter, literally. Like, take my wife, <laughs> Chuck. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I know what you're talking yeah. I know the <laughs> reference. Uh, coming out parties. Hey, wh- no fucking daughter of mine's going to be some fucking cop at much. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding, just kidding. Um, I, I would never be Italian or have that kind of voice. So they're, they're talking about the coming out party. It's ridiculous from the start. Um, and I, I don't know. I just feel like it's... Uh, there's also back-to-back what feels like Chinatown references. So first you see they have like a Chinese gardener picking snails out of like a little pond and putting them onto a plate with chopsticks, which is just like yeah. so over-the-top ridiculous Orientalism. But it's also just like rich old-timey people. They're going to try to keep that plantation mindset going, you know. Uh, but after that, at, uh, when they're at the beach, there's the sign that says the Albacore Club, which is like that's supposedly their spot at the beach. But that's also the name of an elite social club from Chinatown. Oh. Uh, if you didn't know, that's, uh, you know, Jack gets that hint when they go to that geezer home uh, and they're pretending to look for a home for uh, Jack's anti-Semitic father or something like that. Because yeah. <laughs> uh, remember, he asked the tour guide if there's any Jews staying there. Yeah, and the guy's yeah. like, no, and he's like, good. <laughs> My father will be pleased. <laughs> Just how he but, likes it. But yeah, the Albacore Club is a uh, clue from that scene. So that's another reference here. And I, I feel like this movie is so full of references between that and like Rosemary's Baby is the other Polanski that this feels like it's pulling from, especially at the reveal at that third act. It's totally like, you know, the way that all the characters are framed from yeah. uh, Bill's point of view. Uh, also, Invasion of the Body Snatchers is very much the vibe of the first hour of this movie. The, the horror of nobody believing you. Uh, that's yeah. like a classic trope in horror, but I feel like Invasion of the Body Snatchers is kind of the perfect one. Um, and then Eyes Wide Shut hadn't come out yet, but I feel like between that and Clockwork Orange, there's definitely a big Kubrick influence. And probably Sallow, too. I mean, especially with the third act. Oh, yeah, you gotta no, say it's Sallow's so libertine and just like, yeah. Yeah. Uh, like, I mean, I wonder, I wonder if he caught that. I wonder if yeah. he was up on that. Yeah, because at the time, like people laugh now because you can just go on a Discord and get a mega link for anything, or go on OKRoo, or you know, even go on HBO Max if you please and see any Pasolini film you want. Um, but it's like people were relying on like weird video shops and like uh, the the rep house that they might have to drive two hours to get to to see foreign films. So yeah, might- there's a good chance Brian Yuzna did not see uh, Sallow before he made this movie. Yeah, you had to go to one of those micro cinemas Eddie was talking about to get a, get a film like that. Also, I, I feel like uh, People Under the Stairs, which you know doesn't come out until like three or four years later. I don't know. I I know you're talking about influences, but I feel like that movie feels very <clears throat> similar to this one, and just like it's it's very like uh, it's messaging, I guess. Well, yeah, because there's a type of social message horror movie from, like, the 50s, like the B, also a lot of them were more sci-fi, but the, the 50s B movie with the very obvious message, whether it was about communism or Americanism or being patriotic, I think they're all kind of the same, all of them, uh, but... Then you have, uh, you know, obviously there's a current wave of them, you know, is spearheaded by uh, Jordan Peele. And then you also have, yeah, a microwave of it, a micro dash wave of it <laughs> in the late 80s, early 90s uh, with, yeah, people under the stairs and this. 
Um, I feel like even Scream is attacking the perception of horror movies in a way that almost slides it into it. Uh, but th- there's a lot more that are escaping me right now. But a lot of late 80s horror movies feel like it's like we've done the schlock for five, six years now. Like w- the machine has been schlock. Maybe let's get back to something that has something to say. Yeah. And this Which- is definitely one of them. Which you think of, uh, I mean, I guess there's there's definitely critiques like this in like other, uh, what is it, Yuzna or Yunza? I say Yuzna. 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 Like, like it, it's obvious. You got in the like, Jizza, the Rizza, yeah. the Yuzza. <laughs> <laughs> it's obvious in other movies of his, like The Dentist or anything like that, like class critique. But I, I feel like, yeah, like this is a specific type of movie where it's like, like the movie revolves around the message and everything is kind of like outwards from that. And I, you know, I, I feel like, uh, you know, sometimes even in non-horror movies, but there's a lot of movies that operate like this, you know, message first kind of. Uh, and I, I don't know. I feel like with its delivering of its premise and like, like it's just, it's a mood setting. Like I feel like it delivers its message in the most effective and cinematic way possible. Yeah, and I think that the the third act debauchery, you know, being like everything is so stuffed up and conspiratorial and, uh, you know, paranoid for the first hour plus that uh, it it really is a great release. Yeah. Uh, But for that first hour, yeah, I really like it. You know, they go go to Paradise Cove. That's where the Albacore Club is. um, And he's like... uh, you know cornered by that that peeper and then that peeper is like no dude i got this tape you gotta listen to blanchard and yeah blanchard the peeper and he's just like uh playing a tape of like the a preview of the ritual somehow uh and you know he's just listening to his daughter or his uh sorry he's listening to his sister learn about like getting stretched out by the host and like all this weird stuff Jen, Ted Ferguson is really cute for our first partner. Ted Ferguson? Ted Ferguson? Yeah, Jenny and Ferguson. That's just the beginning. Here, listen. Wow, your boobs look totally sexy. Guys are gonna pop high ones the second they see you. I'm a little nervous, though. It's fine. Oh, relax, Jenny. Just go with it. It's so much fun to see how far you can stretch. Yeah, the hotter and wetter you get, the more you can do. It's great. (laughs) Oh, my God. What is going on here? You can't even imagine it. Um, especially if you haven't seen any footage from this movie or I, I just, I, I would have loved to go into this completely blind because I knew that it was like a deformity body horror type take on, you know, uh, like a, um, Bohemian Grove. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's like a, uh, like a alien body horror ver- take on a Bohemian Grove type conspiracy. Um, and, and uh, yeah, and I just like if I didn't know that, I feel like it would have hit even harder because of how stuffed up the first hour is. Yeah, no, I love the way information about it like drips out mm-hmm. because at first, like I, I, I don't know, you're like you get like that incest and like weird fucking is going to be a part of it pretty early, which in like most like movies about like fucked up like evil rich people pedophile societies like that's going to be the big reveal but here like you get like that teased out very early on so it's just like how like what is like how fucked up are they gonna go and you get like little hints of the body stuff throughout but like nowhere near like when um 
don't know. Some of the effects that I like are um, when he goes into the shower and he sees his sister and it looks like she's turned around. You can yeah. see her butt and her tits almost. <laughs> and it's like, what the fuck is going on? And, and he then, has that same hallucination with the girl he's hooking up with. Yeah, too. exactly. And there's like a little bit of that there that's sort of like, again, slowly priming you for like the fact that like it's taking it like a step like just beyond in the most like gruesome way possible yeah oh i just remembered we'll get back to it because now we'll we'll start leaning toward the third act but i did remember the other micro cinema challenge for our listeners Uh so we have the one in philly we also have a lot of listeners in toronto uh this is something i learned about when i was in toronto I believe Will Sloan has attended this before. Uh, There is a man who for years now has been flyering the city of Toronto with uh, his micro cinema, which takes place in his garage. He is a probably pedophile. That that was what was described to me. I said probably. I said probably. And I'm not naming him. And I don't don't actually care either. And I'll just say that phrase probably pedophile. That's a quote from someone else. I'm not saying that he's anything. I'm just saying he's a guy who runs a micro cinema. So apparently he's been sh- every single week has been the program has been um, Nosferatu uh, played to the music of Radiohead for the last <laughs> twenty years. Twenty years, really? Wow. Wait, is that <laughs> is that like a ten years? Yeah, like, no. Is, like is every he... week he just has people at his micro cinema, and there's a flyer every week for it and stuff, and. Every week, the movie is Nosferatu with Radiohead. And maybe he plays like a different B movie every week or something like that. But he always just plays a Radiohead album and Nosferatu. Okay, I was going to ask, is this like a thing? Like are theaters across the country doing like a Radiohead Nosferatu thing? Or is this just this guy just a big Radiohead fan? This is just a weird guy in Toronto who litters the street with flyers. Yeah. That, so if well, anyone in Toronto wants to go to that yeah, go, and report back, live I, would, report, yeah. I would love to hear Ooh, more about that. A live report. Anyone who gives us a live report, that's like, I'll give you 10 bucks. The Patreon is not. All right, you guys, that's you coming guys out of your Patreon. It's coming out of me. Because here's the thing. Like, I know we're asking for Patreon, but we're hosts. We're amazing. We're, we pay you. Okay. Like, that's that's what a show should be. Not, you know, I know you do pay us, but it's like. Eventually, I want to start paying you guys. That's that's all I gotta say. <laughs> Malcolm is once and for all. He's a job to, creator. Yeah, he's looking to destroy <laughs> capitalism once and for all. It's always it's like the the great idea I had of a a restaurant in <laughs> which the worry. waiters tip you, the 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 eater. I always thought that that would be the best oh, restaurant ever. Oh my god, no. That is the best. I mean, we've talked about it on the podcast before, but it's so funny. It's Because I, I believe the mechanism you described was every day or week or something like that, the boss, the owner of the restaurant would give the waiters money that they would use for tipping the best customers. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's that's yeah. I mean, it's it's like tipping in real life where you can, yeah, no, you could, exactly. You could decline you get to, to choose. Tip. Yeah, you get to choose. It's it's democratic like that. But wouldn't that be a good restaurant to go to? Wouldn't you? Want yeah, to go no, to I would love. I would be the best customer ever. <laughs> I'm sure that restaurant would do just fine. <laughs> so, then, in this scenario, yeah. does the waiter also get a tip though? No. 
So there are they are they paid a, like a living wage like like forty dollars an hour well, at like, this know, restaurant a, or something? Maybe to make it work that we just put them on like the. the it's waiter. a micro restaurant. Yeah, it's a micro restaurant. It's like the waiters still get waiter wages, but they don't get tips. That's the one. It's that's a micro restaurant said. that's in my apartment, and I'm <laughs> paying people to come eat. <laughs> I'm offering people one dollar tips to eat at my apartment. <laughs> True. Maybe I don't know that guy in Toronto. He could micro everything. Why don't Why don't we just micro everything? Yeah, the last week's oh. episode was a micro podcast. Um, so back to society. Um, he. I, I also love that throughout this whole thing, his dumbass girlfriend is just like really concerned about the social standing of them at high school. She's like, I want to get invited to the big party. He's like, okay, the big party, I'm pretty sure they're involved with my family doing <laughs> incest and rape. And she's like, I just want to go to the big party. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, uh, you know, Brian, the director, he's, he's putting us on game. He's showing us how uh, the elite, they pull their strings. They, you know, it's kind of like a like a frat, a fraternity in a way, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like, you ask girl, oh, frat, frats, you know, frat guys are, are awful, but it's like, it's the necessary evil. It's like, do you want to go to a party in this college town? This is a very college-specific scenario, I guess, but it's like, <laughs> like you, you have to make the deal with the devil and go to the frat party because that's where the, the biggest, highest level shit's going down, you know? <laughs> Kind of a kind of literally the most retarded metaphor I've ever done in my life. But Probably, I, I, I think I, I think you've set the new record. <laughs> I think you've set no, the new record. But, but it's true. It's flow. true. Yeah, this is true. This is, happens in real life. <laughs> Sorry, it happens. You know what's cool about this? Uh, Bill, his Jeep, his his custom license plate is hoops. I noticed that. I was. We never see. Dude him loves basketball. Yeah. We never see him hoop. I don't think. But that that's pretty. Sick. I think he's practicing in the very beginning oh. with his friend. Yeah, in the right in the driveway. Right. In the driveway. Yeah, no, yeah. Right. but we see him dribble a ball for like three seconds. Like it could yeah. be a guy who has never dribbled a ball in his life before. <laughs> but his vanity plate being hoops is so sick. Uh, yeah, no, he's got the life. He's like he's the Richard Linklater archetype. He's like the the jock and the artist kind of guy. You know, he's very cool. Very cute you know <laughs> he's not an artist either <laughs> as i was saying that i was like wait what movie am i thinking about right now but no. it, it is he does live i, I like i like no all the, i would say details. no he is he's the artistic type though he, he's a guy who's uh and that's what i was thinking of is he's in debate club not art okay art. yeah sure uh, but that is a similar dynamic to that where he's like a jock and he's in the fucking debate club like a little poindexter you know mm-hmm. um so it is that weird dynamic of like having it both ways and that's just like how you can be the man how you can be like the coolest guy ever basically uh but it t- doesn't turn out for him so well because he was adopted and uh, his parents were just, uh, you know, bringing him up, grooming him for a, a, a ceremony that he thought he was going to stop for someone else. But it was just for him. They're just they're just ready for him. Uh, I, I love that the third act starts with like uh, him waiting at home. So he gets like hospitalized and everything gets out of the hospital. But by then it's like, oh everyone's in on this the hospital people are in on this yeah. the cops are yeah. in on this everyone's in on this he's waiting for his parents with a knife and doesn't realize that everyone is in the house with him in the dark as he's waiting to surprise them such a great like dynamic of a jump scare 
and he gets dragged by that like dog collar thing oh, that the, so the animal awesome. patrol guy has and that's such they're, like a weird fucked up masochistic thing in this movie they're is the, like uh, two or three minutes of just him getting like pulled around yeah. through the party like a dog so I, gross i also have to say i don't know it's just a trend i'm noticing and maybe i should institute it as a word to the wise i don't think you should ever trust your therapist i feel yeah. like there are too many times in <laughs> yes. a movie there's a reveal where uh your therapist is in on it trying to fuck yeah. you over like here this uh i think ben slack i looked up was mm-hmm. the name of the like whatever like character actor who does an amazing performance. He's really good in this. He's yeah, I of, really like him. Yeah, he's one of the best. Because uh, he almost has a mad scientist vibe to yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. But mm-hmm. there's also uh, in Bo is Afraid, uh, there's the therapist in on it reveal. And so you just, you just got to be careful who you're pouring out your heart to. Mad men. More yeah. than likely, they're a madman that is also, <laughs> that is working with a, I mean, may, hey, they're telling you you're a paranoid schizophrenic. No, they're a part of the parent. They're a part of the pedophile cabal that's out to get you, and you should never be open with them or trust them. Or it's, it's yeah, it's like Mad Men where they're just telling your husband everything. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Which is even worse. <laughs> no, I've never been paranoid. Just a little bit paranoid, Bill. Within normal ranges. You know, you really deserve what's going to happen to you. What's going to happen? You're going to make a wonderful contribution to society. No, I, I love... That's why this movie's great, because its concept of conspiracy is like... I don't know, maybe saying influential is the wrong term, but it, you know, it kind of and ended up happening, I guess, based off of real stuff that happens like Bohemian Grove and like, you know, later on with Epstein. But it's kind of like this idea of like conspiracies are not... only. It's not only that they're having like incestual sex or you know what i mean like having sex parties or whatever it's like no they're like they're weird creatures like they're they're satanic or they they, they're aliens they're aliens or they they they're eating babies or something like that you know it's the, the the conspiracy is like so elusive and like to really subscribe to it you know what i mean like if you're really gonna go all in on the conspiracy stuff it's like you're probably gonna be like just like alone and paranoid and like researching shit and just like being afraid of everything. So I don't know. I feel like this is like this, the sense of conspiracy here is great because it's, it's so grand. It's not, it's not, it's, it's not the worst thing you could ever think of. It's something unconceivable, something inhuman. And it's those who are closest to you. Yeah. That's the thing. It's different than they live because they live is about undercovering uh, or uncovering the secret world that rules everything. And this one is uncovering that the secret world who rules Beverly Hills is your dad and stepmom's weird incest alien blob judge friend. Like, <laughs> it's it hits so much closer to home. It's kind of like Twin Peaks. It actually reminds me of that with uh, Malcolm. The, you might have to go earmuffs here if you haven't seen it yet. But the, uh, the reveal of, you know, Bob being... The just like the ultimatum of all evil, yeah. but being reincarnated or at that point being represented by Leland is like that's the scariest thing ever. The root of all evil is your father. You know, uh, Malcolm, you're good now. <laughs> How effective were those earmuffs? Actually, it worked pretty well. I was just thinking about other stuff. 
<laughs> what were you thinking about? He was thinking about being the goo in the middle of that weird, like, human thing. Just how much he'd like that. Yeah, when I was the like, judge sticks his hand up his ass and out your mouth. How good that would feel. I, I mean, I have publicly said stuff like, like you know, when when me and my friends get rich, like we're gonna have solo parties, like like you know what I mean, like like isn't this the goal? I know it's a little bit, but it's like, wouldn't it be fun to be one of the people there? <laughs> Sucking on someone's flesh, I guess, is what they're doing. Or I like when they become like <laughs> anteaters. <laughs> yeah. No, I think that's that's what's great about the third act is that it constantly like elevates and like takes it to different mm-hmm. places. Like it starts out with Blanchard. Blanchard's first on the menu, and you know you get the horror of seeing what's you know what's happening to Blanchard. What's going to happen to me? Uh, you know, with uh, like you said, the anteater stuff with like the mouth attached to the body and then of and the course, lighting goes like full argento oh, yeah, like, mode like mm-hmm. fully just like completely gelled red uh ridiculousness on the lighting uh and, and yeah while they're just torturing uh blanchard it's just so insane yeah and like, uh i i love how it starts off with like you don't you really don't know what's gonna happen and by the way the the fact that early in the movie uh bill says fuck you butthead to his dad oh my uh, God. the way comes that back. comes back with his dad doing like goatsy going through his own ass like <laughs> one of the craziest things ever um but the way it starts like so you have blanchard and bill uh, surrounded by all these people from society. Some of them went to their high school. Some of them are their family. Some of them are their doctors and policemen and everything. And they're, they're on these like dog catching things uh, around their necks. And the dude's like explaining that it's, uh, you know, all about this. I do love the smell of the hunt and the taste of the shunt. <laughs> I don't know what the shunt is, but I think uh, you're about to find out. You know, like uh, the shunt is what's going on. The shunting. Uh, that's that's the verb. Uh, shunting someone, I guess, is uh, in the process of this film. Uh, when you get another person, or not a person, you get another alien like yourself, or you get a person as an alien, and you kind of just like latch onto them with your mouth, like you're going to start eating them. But then you pull back and it has this weird anteater type thing uh, where you're just like a tube attached to their flesh. And it's both like cannibalism and rape, it feels like. Yeah. Because there's like a weird thing with the orifices and the the fisting, of course, is like horrifying. The way it becomes like, I I don't know, it's just like taking that type of like gruesome like body horror type of effects and like combining it with like libertine like sort of sadism in just like such an interesting gross way because you get like these like everything like like i don't know when i think about like those big like orgy scenes in movies it's just like like bodies and flesh and things like that together and this is just like the furthest you can go with it because at one point like it literally like someone like sticks their fingers in like and just dissolves into someone's skin I think it's like just such a weird like like everyone's just a big fuck glob like that's just so like it's so much more like gruesome and horrifying than just someone either like being eaten or being like assaulted or raped because it's like they're becoming a part of you at once at the same time just like rooting like just getting under your skin and rooting in around inside you. 
yeah it's like we don't yeah like we can only really conceptualize how that really feels too it's like the sensation that the victim you know poor blanchard is experiencing is like you you could fill in the blank in your mind basically because it's you know obviously it's not a a human experience and yeah i think i I just the like even like that's that's what's crazy it's like even like seeing blanchard what happened to blanchard it's like i feel like most movies like that would be enough but like society really ramps it up and then you know his the girl that he was hooking up with that's at the party kind of helps him escape out of the dog catcher thing and he finds a room where like you mentioned that you know his his parents are in there and it seems like it's just his mom at first and then it's revealed that his mom and his uh, sister combined into some weird freak mesh human with the dad as the the asshole it, it really uh i don't know like i like how it extends the way the dot it's funny because like the i think uh the creature design there is so funny because the dad is the asshole but the daughter like pops out of the pussy like so she could pop in and out like a turtle kind of <laughs> the way it's cut together so quickly of course because these effects are ridiculous you can't look at these things for more than half a second or you'll realize how bad not bad because they're actually incredible fucking effects but they like, look amazing though it has to be cut and framed in a very precise way to keep you involved with it and yeah. i think that uh yasna and co do a great job of that like the more i talk about this movie the more i like it and i i like while i was watching it i kind of struggled with the first hour but knowing that the third act was coming like helps and then the third act exceeded my expectations and i feel like it even like sure its biggest flaw is its backloading but i feel like it almost actually does make up for the first hour yeah. being a little lackluster like i it genuinely is one of the most ridiculous third acts i've ever seen um so the anal fisting thing we got to talk about the fists yeah one of the funniest one the one-liners in this are ridiculous the judge saying and now we'll get to the bottom Oh God. <laughs> of this. And then he fists Blanchard and the fist goes all the way through his spine and comes out like his head and is poking through his eyes and shit like that. And I, I, it's really crazy because these effects are so wet. Everything in this third act yeah. is so wet. But then when you have like the clay mold face exploding, like someone's eyes popping out and stuff, it becomes very dry almost. <laughs> and uh, it's just because it's like two very different types of effects they're using. And, you know, uh, of course, I'm sure people mainly watch this on VHS forever, but seeing it on a very clear scan, you know, um, <clears throat> it is so crazy seeing like, all the different types of textures and fluids that were on set that day. Like it is truly one of the grossest things I've ever seen in a movie. I frankly, I think the last 30 minutes, I might get more of a kick out of it than Sallow. Uh, Like I don't, I think Sallow is the better, Sallow is the better movie overall Mm -hmm. for Mm -hmm. sure. But the third act is like a pure fucking gross out fest might even top yeah i mean yeah in terms of like just pure repulsive because like salo is like well salo doesn't have the height of like 
not the very hype, but it doesn't have like great American exploitation special effects in it. You exactly, know? and I mean it's also like set in like a more like like grounded, I yeah. guess, yeah. kind of world. But also, like, hey, realistic. if Salo, if Salo yeah. had the guys that were doing uh, effects for like Fulci at the time, maybe it oh, would true. be this good. Yeah, you yeah. Know? yeah, who knows? I mean, yeah, it, I mean, ulti- my response to that, I mean, it's two movies with very different goals. And oh, yeah, yeah, I know, yeah. I know. I'm just I know, trying know to like you know set that. the bar but, yeah. for a listener who hasn't seen it to like yeah. really show like if you yeah. condense all the debauchery into. From Sallow into one, you know, giant set piece. <laughs> I think that would be the level that the third act of this movie is on. It's mm. that good, Eddie, that, Eddie, that yeah. debased. Eddie's special cut of Sallow: take out all the boring talking parts and just put the <laughs> depravity. The depravity. Yeah, that cut. part where they're <laughs> dancing. What are you doing? <laughs> Give me the shit plate. Yeah. <laughs> um, no. Yeah. Like. Well, not only does, uh, you know, to get back on the topic of fisting, not only is Blanchard <laughs> fisted to death, it, it seems like that's where yeah. he, he dies. Is yeah, because his yeah. face explodes. Yeah. Um, we kind of, to, to tie a bow to the third act, after, you know, our main character sees his the family unit, you know, literalized into something gross and disgusting, he has to go down and fight uh, the, the top dog of the, t- kind of the heir the seemingly the the heir to society i guess you could call it what's his name ted ted ferguson ted ferguson who seems to have a relationship with the girl he was hooking up with he kind of has to do final battle mode and um they both do they both fist each other or does bill (laughs) fist ted to win i I think i think bill is quicker to the draw yeah fisting yeah that's what it is (laughs) they they were both going for it and then yeah. Bill, 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 you know, he really, uh, he really beats him to the punch, as you'd say. And uh, I, I mean, it's just the fact, the fact that um, our hero anally fists our opponent to, to defeat yeah. him is amazing, amazing and is the perfect bow on top for, I don't know, everything that goes on here. Because I think it's uh, the ending's great, you know, to talk about the very ending, because like the, you know, the. You know, he effectively escapes and maybe defeats mm-hmm. Ted, I guess, maybe. Ted dies, yeah. I think. So, and then, you know, the the blob guy there, you know, the people in charge are like, oh, well, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, we, we had a good time. Like, this this was our party. And, you know, who cares if um, one other, if the wrong kid, you know, died from fisting, you know, we'll, we'll get someone to replace him. You know, as he says, we have an internship opening up and it really well the line is that he has an opening oh yeah (laughs) he's got an opening to fill i didn't even pick up on all these double entendres as much oh so many ridiculous one-liners in that third (laughs) act and they get buried in the sound mix sometimes but there's a lot of really funny dialogue dr cleveland it looks as though i may have an opening in washington next summer know what i mean yeah and i think Mm -hmm. it just hammers home you know the 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 messaging it kind of takes of you know this far-reaching evil you know what i mean it's not something that could just be defeated by a person beating someone up or killing someone it's it's so powerful that it's uh its tentacles will continue to uh leech you know even after the movie's done and our hero wins the tentacles oh so weird that it just like some people morph into one another. Some people stay solo and just leech onto the other flesh. And it's just so fucking gross and weird. Like when the judge is finally just like a 
kind of formless version of Jabba the Hutt, but he still has his cigar in his mouth. That's uh, one of my favorite images of the whole movie. I mean, that is that judge with the cigar is like such a funny character to me. Uh, just coming in strictly for the fucking debauchery. He's not on screen at all before. <laughs> and he's the main guy in the debauchery, too. Uh, JT, any final thoughts on this one as we wrap up and uh, give it a bullet rating? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's a great movie. I... Uh like I had an experience today uh, when I was rewatching it where I was like, I don't know. I do. I feel like some of the like table setting and things at the beginning do kind of lose me at points. Like I do think it's as like a like almost as effective as and strong as you can get with sort of like doling out this information little by little, just sort of having weird little clues and things like that. And just like in general, the type of like, fun like goofy like dialogue that makes it still an exciting watch but i don't know i like i was a little like um i I don't know out of it at points or just sort of was like okay i don't know but the third act just like goes so fucking hard and i feel like that you cannot hammer that point home hard enough because just i I have to go four bullets on this one Mm -hmm. i think think it's a great movie um there's just so much just excellent like gore and just repulsive just it crescendos in the perfect way like the movie like i don't know sticks the landing just to a t you have so much weird stuff to sort of i don't know be left like reeling with there uh yeah no yuzna one of the one of the best at doing this type of weird shit malcolm yeah i'm gonna give it four bullets as well and to be honest i i feel like i like maybe the first and second act maybe a little bit more than you guys are talking about not that it's perfect or anything but i don't know i kind of maybe it's i i kind of like uh high school movies you know i'm i'm innocent i'm innocent but i like uh high school movies okay bad teacher Bad teacher. Oh, what, you know, when they say bad teacher, I, my mind goes to the the worst place. But uh, with the, I like like the Beverly Hills High School kind of setting and kind of like yeah. this like small social hierarchy that you usually see in teen movies, but is obviously leading to something more sinister. I like the Blanchard character. This kind of like a this I don't know this 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 tubby guy who is dating above his weight, but. Uh, Feel, you know, found out some some unfortunate truths about uh, you know high society. Through yeah, that. what a bad series of events that the uh, totally below her class boyfriend of the daughter uh, just happened to be an electronics wizard. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it has a good sense of humor to it that's always present throughout. And then, obviously, leading up to the the buffet of effects is so great. And uh, you know, it, it's a. Uh, it's not just a senselessness too, you know what I mean? And I could get with senselessness, but there's a, a little bit message. There's, you know, the message, there's some messaging going on here that I pretty much agree with. And, you know, it's, just, it's, it's a message and ideas come together. You know, that's, that's great cinema. So uh, yeah, four bullets, as I said, Eddie, what did you think? What do you think of society? Oh, society gets half a bullet, but the movie <laughs> society, <laughs> Uh, well, society, I'm going to need to give it a full bullet, if you know what I mean. Um, we want to kill you know society. Yeah. yeah, it's so messed up. It's it's the worst. And I'm even more messed up because I want to kill it. That's how fucked up I am. That's you know what it did what, to you, me. You want to know how I got these scars, baby? 
Society. Society, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm going four bullets as well. We're going we're gonna to do a little edition of The Sixth Sense. Oh, do you remember that? I feel yeah. like we haven't it's said been that forever. in years. <laughs> yeah. Or we haven't agreed in years. I don't know which, which is the truth. <laughs> no, we've definitely had the same rating and forgot that that was a, a micro segment of the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> See, we got micro segments, micro cinemas. It's all coming full circle, baby. Small it's all circle. Full circle, baby. Yeah. Um, so we're not going to do a full Malcolm in the Middle because we've like actually done a, almost a full hour on this movie. So we're not going to take a break. Um, this is the last recording we're going to do for like three weeks, I think. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Uh, I, what do you guys, what do you guys got planned for October? Um, I, during the podcast vacation. Yeah. Um, We're not recording again until like the 20th. I don't know. I feel like I honestly, well, we've been going spooky movie mode for the podcast. I kind of want to, I need to like, I want to finish my Romare book and I've been, I've started, and stopped uh, under the sign of Leo, his uh, first feature, like uh, four different times now. <laughs> and I need to, because it's like, it seems good enough, fine. Uh, it's but a chore. It's a chore. It's one of those chore movies. And I got to do, I got to iron my shirt before I get to yeah. uh, Don't have make me the point chocolate to the bar. chore wheel. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that is uh, uh, Claire's knee or whatever. Yeah. But uh yeah, I, I want to do some Romare th- this month. Uh, I don't know, have a Halloween party, but uh, I don't know, nothing nothing too too big planned this month. JT's Halloween party, book mm-hmm. it. Uh, Malcolm, wait, wait, what's what's your October looking like? You you getting ready for the spooky season back in L.A.? Yeah, yeah, no, I'm gonna. I guess the for, king is finally returning to I his will, throne. I will be returning to Los Angeles for those wondering, and I'll be actually, I'll be at, I'll be at the AFI festival. Not like all the days or something, but I bought, I bought like a handful of tickets, and I'm gonna be checking that out. But honestly, the pod will be recording podcasts by the time that's going on. But yeah, I gotta, gotta think of a costume. You know, the costume talk that we had made me want to have like. Yeah. A good one, I guess. Maybe I don't know. Maybe we'll see if that that happens. I'm not making any promises there, to be honest. But it, it got it got my wheels turning, and so yeah, it's a uh, the the podcast time off. You know, I it will be productive. It's going to be used uh, used in ways that maybe will make the podcast even better. Who knows? Look, we just need some time apart, okay? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to be recording all of my thoughts into my notes app in yeah. my phone, just to, like just pre just practicing. You gotta practice, practice, practice. I don't uh, want to fall out. I'm just gonna be fucking other podcasters. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, I, I will be. Uh, I'm, I'm going to New York tomorrow, actually, for nice. a few days, and then going to L.A. for work after that. Playing in New York, working in L.A. Um, but I, I, I might link up with some some pod people out there. You know, drop a. You're you're you might have already heard uh, one episode of uh, Extended Clip New York Edition. But I, I'm going to try to keep it as spooky as possible, too. But I did watch a non-horror movie uh, two days ago. I rewatched Zabriskie Point. And I got to say, it made me miss Los Angeles in a way that I couldn't have imagined because it paints such a, a rough portrait of Los Angeles. But it's yeah. like, man, I miss those stupid-ass signs, those big-ass warehouses, that the Farmer John factory with the weirdly grotesque paint murals of pigs. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, but Zabriskie points incredible. For those who haven't seen it, it's like the first 20 minutes feels more like a 1968 Godard film than anything, you know, but in English. Uh, it's all these like student demonstrations and stuff and like struggle sessions, <laughs> like heavy dialogue, most dialogue in any Antonioni movie from like uh, post 60s. Uh, but then it gets more into his usual bag after the character escapes to the desert and steals a plane. And the fact that we see a character steal a plane and that's how we learn that he knows how to fly a plane is one of the coolest things in a movie <laughs> uh, i also like that when they bring the plane back he's just drawn a bunch of boobs and penises on <laughs> it <laughs> uh but yeah zabriskie point man i don't know i i didn't put it as high as like the the earlier antignonis or even later with passenger but it's it's a total masterpiece yeah malcolm have you seen that one have not seen it. I still need to see we it. We might have to do a pod Yeah, on no, that we one. should pod that one out. That I'm one's down, a lot of fun. Down. That one's so sick. Yeah, but Dolls is the only uh, other, the only non-pod horror movie I've watched since October started. So I'm probably going to probably gonna hit that instead of baseball playoffs tonight. Because um, the, the Dodgers were so good, they don't even need to play in the wild oh. card round. <laughs> Are they taking it this year? I don't know. It? Frankly, it's hard for me to root for the Dodgers at this point. Like, I don't even live in L.A. I barely watch baseball oh. anymore. They're the highest spending team in the league every year, and they don't win a World Series. It's like, all right, dude. I just, it, it, I, I don't want to be the bandwagon guy, but I would be if they won. So it's like, I almost want to keep a distance. But also, what when they're going on a run, you can't help but get sucked yeah. in if you're a lifelong fan. It well, just yeah, doesn't. you're not a you're yeah. not a bandwagon yeah. fan. You have you have no, childhood I know. investments. I don't want to feel too fair weathery though. Like the yeah. Lakers, I'm there for you know in their worst of times, like the pre LeBron era, like uh, you know the late Kobe era. I was watching every game when they were horrible. Uh, that's just like I'll always have that connection. The Dodgers, even as a great team, I just I don't watch. I don't watch until yeah. the playoffs. I, I don't watch you. baseball anymore until the playoffs i mean there's nothing to be honest i I know it's a derogatory term but sometimes you just have to accept that you are a fair weather i mean like i i'm an ace fan (laughs) Uh -uh. i I didn't watch any of the i mean for good reason very good reason oh well they're horrible that's like you would have to be a masochistic ace fan yeah to to watch that two extreme scenarios i guess but uh yeah yeah. Oh, the pain of being a Dodger fan. <laughs> <laughs> you can root for the Dodgers when they go into the playoffs. It's it's okay. You okay, know? thank you. <laughs> I just I feel weird. See, I I've been wearing a lot of Lakers stuff here in Philly, and people will say stuff here and there, but like it's not basketball season, and the fan base doesn't go as hard for the Phillies as the or for the Sixers as they do for the Eagles or Phillies. But like, if I was walking around like Chargers gear or something, oh, I would get God. looks for oh, sure. Yeah. I mean, oh, Chargers yeah. especially the shame that I would have to go through to put that on. Yeah. Uh, but I, the fact that I get comments on my Lakers stuff, like derisive comments here and there on my Lakers stuff during the off season, is pretty funny. Yeah. Uh, cause like, yeah, I'm not going to be wearing a Dodger hat during the playoffs around here. Like that's <laughs> especially like if it comes down to it, yeah. Dodgers, oh, Phillies, yeah. NLCS, no, be... like I, it would be hard for me to hide, but it would be, I, I, yeah, I, I, I wouldn't be able to do it <laughs> I, I, just for my, my, I want it to happen. I know it won't, but I want like you to be wearing a Dodgers cap and some Philly fan be like, hey, what are you, what are you from LA? Huh? You a Dodgers <laughs> fan? Like. It would be. I would want to see one of those scenarios play out to see what would happen. I, I hate that's happening. It's literally <laughs> happening on the street. People are pointing at me, going Lakers, Lakers. Well, hey man, you could. Be, Harden's fat. 
Harden, yeah, that's all I got to say. Harden looks like me. I weigh as much as Harden. My girlfriend's wor- or fiance, uh, her her work, uh, they they gave her this gift basket when she got there, and it had like you know some candles and some uh, like a blanket or something and some t-shirts and they were kind of touristy shirts, but it was like kind of tongue in cheek, welcome to the city kind of thing. But one of them was for me. It was like an XL men's uh, Sixers shirt, and I was just like, well, you know, around the house or something, you know. And then I put it on once just to wear around the house, and I was like, am I about to leave the house wearing a Sixers shirt? I, I can't even wear this in the house. I can't do this. <laughs> and I just took it off and I just put it in the closet. I'm, no, I'm, no, I'm never wearing that shit again. Had to stay true. Loyal to the soil. No, it literally felt weird. Yeah. It felt weird. Um, but yeah, that's that's all. That's it. I, I really don't like the Sixers. I think I think they're oh. my least. They, for the last few really? years, they've kind of been like my least favorite NBA team because they've been like Embiid is such a whiner, you know, and yeah. the, the MVP stuff is just deplorable. And, you know, uh, Daryl Morey, hey, I'm with you, Harden, you know, I think he's a fraud. <laughs> <laughs> I, I get you. I, hey, I, uh, you got you got guns out for the six JT. Morey was Morey was very disrespectful to the great nation of China. I can't say I'm a fan of that organization all myself either. I I'm a, <laughs> I'm a fa- I'm a Philadelphia fan, but I don't know. They've hurt me very deeply. Damn. Well, to uh, to end this episode, I think what we're going to do is have a little a little peace treaty. Uh, give me give me just one second if you guys could uh, take over some audio for about thirty seconds. I yeah, wonder no what worries. I wonder what Eddie's about it. When when Eddie leaves to like this go is, do something, I'm like we're in we're in the gags and stunts era of the podcast <laughs> now that we have video. <laughs> uh, Eddie, we were all about like light humor beforehand, but now it's gags and stunts. Items. We got to get into items. <laughs> For the love of Philly. Yeah. Wow. Um, Eddie. Eddie just gifted JT his Sixers shirt that I, I guess I'm guessing came from the gift basket. Um, <laughs> and you know what? It looks good on JT because he's a Philadelphia man, and that's what he believes in. Mm-hmm. And that Lakers tee looks good on Eddie because that's a he's a Lakers fan. Yeah. That's what it's he what we believe in. in. I got a, a no logo, you know what I mean, but uh, I don't believe in nothing. You believe? But, uh, <laughs> I don't believe in nothing, but it's it's okay. Yeah, I, I like JT, people, you right? can have the shirt that I Thank put you. on once. It's okay. Thank and you. And it's it's that instead of throwing it away or using it as a bleep rag. <laughs> uh, <laughs> My God. So you thought about it. <laughs> Dear God, Niles. <laughs> you thought about using So you gave JT basically a masturbatory <laughs> object. Yeah, you basically gave me a cum rag, okay. Hey, Thanks, I man. I said I didn't use it as such. It's basically um, a sex toy now. I thought he was going <laughs> to... Hey, I didn't say that's what the bleep was. Bleep could be pasta, you know? That's why I got this shirt. I was at the airport, and I bought this shirt because I was eating pasta at the airport, and I just straight up dumped it on me. Uh, Just fucking, like, maybe my dumbest moment ever, just eating spaghetti at the airport, just blop. And so I was like, well, I can't can't show up like this. Uh, Meeting my fiance's parents for the first time at the airport, just covered in spaghetti sauce. And so I, uh, yeah, so on my way out, I went to the Magic Johnson Sports Store at LAX. And uh, right before I hopped on the plane, I picked up this $45 liquor shirt at the airport. There we go. That barely fits me. (laughs) 
that'll do it for this week's extended clip uh i will talk to you boys in a few weeks we will hear uh you will hear from us like it was nothing like we didn't even take a break thank you for listening uh thank you for being a patron bump up that patreon if you want you know send it to your friends tell your mom that it's a charity whatever if you're like middle (laughs) class tell your dad it's a write-off you know he'll do it it's five yeah yeah it's five come on cough it up bye guys bye